Welcome to the Two Minute Medicine Podcast, summarizing the latest medical studies curated and written by practicing physicians. For our full suite of daily medical study summaries and updates written by practicing doctors, please visit our website at twominutemedicine.com to start reading new daily content right now for free. On this podcast, twice a month, we cover the latest in healthcare news and research evidence. We are your hosts, Deepti and Andrew. On today's episode, we'll start off by discussing our articles of the week. In the second half of the episode, we will look at health issues that have arisen in popular media. Please head to our website at 2minutemedicine.com to sign up for 2 Minute Medicine Plus. Now, for just $4.99 a month, this single premium offering affords subscribers ad-free reading and all of 2 Minute Medicine's content. This includes over 100 pieces of new, original monthly content, including our daily medical reports, visual abstracts, the classics in medicine series, wellness checks, and more. Our first article of the week comes from JAMA Network Open and is entitled Evaluation of Faculty Parental Leave Policies at Medical Schools Ranked by the U.S. News and World Report in 2020. Physicians are more likely to experience infertility, often delay childbearing, and experience stigmatization and discrimination as parents. Many physicians are also likely to consider adoption and foster care. Unfortunately, physicians who are interested in parenting are often affected by institutional leave policies, increasing the risk of female physicians reducing work hours and leaving clinical practice, which further perpetuates the gender gap within the field of medicine. This cross-sectional study investigated the parental leave policies of 87 medical schools in the United States. About 72.4% of schools had some paid leave for birth mothers, while only 14.9% offered 12 weeks of fully paid leave. In terms of non-birth parents, 12.6% offered 12 weeks of fully paid leave, while 43.7% offered no paid leave. About 40.2% had no paid leave for adoptive parents, and 74.7% had no paid leaves for foster parents. About one-third of schools relied on vacation and sick leave policies to provide birth mothers with leave. Limitations to the study include vaguely written leave policies, as well as physicians taking less than promised leave due to unwritten pressures within the medical community. There are clear benefits to paid leave for parents and newborns, and lack of adequate leave policies contributed to burnout and difficulties in integrating work-life balance. Future studies and guidelines are needed to support the implementation of paid leave for physicians. Our second article of the week comes from the New England Journal of Medicine and is entitled Psychosocial Functioning in Transgendered Youth After Two Years of Hormones. Gender-affirming hormones are used to alleviate gender dysphoria for transgender and non-binary youth by increasing appearance congruence. Gender-affirming hormones are important interventions that improve psychosocial functioning in transgendered and non-binary youth and lead to enduring improvements over time. This prospective observational cohort study examined the psychosocial functioning of transgender and non-binary youth after gender-affirming hormone initiation. Latent growth curve modeling was used to examine individual trajectories of multiple psychosocial outcomes. Study visits occurred at baseline 6, 12, 18, and 24 months after treatment initiation. 
A total of 291 participants had longitudinal data on primary outcome variables available. Significant improvements occurred in appearance congruence, positive affect, and life satisfaction. Additionally, depression and anxiety scores significantly decreased over time. Increases in appearance congruence were associated with a decrease in depression and anxiety scores and an increase in positive affect and life satisfaction scores over time. Youth who initiated gender-affirming hormones early in puberty had higher scores for appearance congruence, positive affect, and life satisfaction at baseline compared to those who initiated gender-affirming hormones later. Youth who initiated gender-affirming hormones later in puberty saw greater improvements in appearance congruence compared to those who initiated so early in puberty. In summary, the present study found that gender-affirming hormones improved the quality of life of youth over a period of two years. A limitation of the study was that although significant improvements were observed for youth on gender-affirming hormones, there remains large variability and some did not improve. It is prudent to examine other important factors that affect transgender and non-binary youth beyond access to gender-affirming care. Now for the scan, the pop culture-focused part of our podcast bringing a medical eye to popular events. We'll start off by talking about maternity leave left out. The story. Maternity leave for athletes has been put on full display over the past few weeks after professional soccer player Sarah Bjork released a piece on the Players' Tribune about her tumultuous endeavors with her former soccer club during her pregnancy. While topics such as training during pregnancy and breastfeeding as an athlete have been highlighted because of the article, few issues have been more apparent than that of mandated maternity leave. Although moderate physical activity is recommended in uncomplicated pregnancies, according to the health guidelines of several countries, pregnant athletes often face unique challenges. Regular follow-up with a physician is needed to make sure that activity levels are safe in elite athletes during pregnancy. Although some athletes are successful in training with their teams long into pregnancy, for some athletes, risk of injury or symptoms such as morning sickness have a significant impact on the athletic performance. Bjork found that morning sickness was a limiting factor in her training and eventually led to her decision to step away from team training during her pregnancy. That's when she stopped receiving her regular payments. However, it isn't just athletes who face the struggle of missed paychecks and financial insecurity during pregnancy. In fact, Estimates suggest that only around 20% of American workers have paid leave following a pregnancy. This is because among wealthy countries, the United States sits near the bottom when it comes to maternity leave, with no nationally mandated paid leave. Although some employers may provide paid maternity leave, the lack of a national mandate means that many new mothers do not have access to these benefits. The issue. Paid maternity leave is not only important for financial security, but also has been shown to impact maternal and fetal outcomes. In an assessment of women in the United States, those who had paid maternity leave had significantly decreased risk of rehospitalization for both themselves and their infants, compared to those who had unpaid or no leave. Paid maternity leave has also been associated with improved mental health outcomes such as reduced postpartum depression and improved infant attachment, as well as physical health outcomes such as decreased infant mortality, increased infant immunization, and improvements in breastfeeding. In a country where maternal morbidity costs are estimated at $32.3 billion per year, 
and where infant mortality ranks near the worst among OECD countries. One must question whether paid maternity leave could play a part in improving these outcomes. For many, January is a time to go dry, that is, passing up on alcoholic beverages for a month. But the recent changes in Canada's drinking guidelines may have people thinking that they should continue this trend year-round. Previous safe drinking guidelines in Canada advise 10 or fewer drinks per week for women and 15 or fewer drinks per week for men. However, new guidelines suggest a drastic reduction, stating that two or fewer drinks per week places a person at low risk for adverse health outcomes, while three to six drinks is associated with moderate risk and seven or more drinks highly increases the risk. The guidelines also suggest not having more than two drinks in a given day. The updates to the drinking guidelines come because of further evidence regarding the dangers of moderate to heavy drinking. Particularly, it was found that drinking increases the risk of seven types of cancer, including breast, colorectal, liver, and pancreatic cancer. In fact, recent estimates suggest that over 4% of all new cases of cancer globally in 2020 could be attributed to alcohol consumption. Alcohol consumption has been associated with several other chronic diseases as well, including diabetes, heart disease, stroke, cirrhosis, mental health disorders, and more. The topic of alcohol consumption has become increasingly important lately as COVID-19 lockdowns have been reported to be associated with increases in alcohol-related emergencies and heavy drinking. Meanwhile, the immunosuppressive effects of alcohol have also been noted to increase the risk of COVID-19 infection in heavy drinkers. Whether it be for dry January, protecting yourself from cancer, or reducing your risk for COVID-19, when it comes to drinking, less is more. Now, let's take a look at the recent rise in measles cases. Around the world, measles cases have been on the rise. Near the end of 2022, measles rates in India surpassed 12,000 and unfortunately contributed to the country's failure to achieve their goal of eradicating the disease by 2023. The United States has not been immune to this resurgence, with an outbreak in Ohio affecting more than 80 children. One of the most prominent factors leading to the measles resurgence is a decrease in vaccination rates. During the COVID-19 pandemic, millions of measles immunizations were missed, and as a result, childhood vaccination rates against the disease have dropped. Given the highly contagious nature of measles, vaccination rates need to be near or over 90% in order to achieve herd immunity. Global estimates suggest that current vaccination rates have fallen below this threshold. Discussions of vaccine hesitancy amid the COVID-19 pandemic may also play a role in future measles vaccination rates. Although the revival of measles spread has been a cause for concern, hopefully it will shine a light on the need for increased vaccination. Last but not least, let's take a look at ChatGPT and the use of AI in medicine. In November of 2022, the world was in awe at the release of ChatGPT, an AI-powered chat tool. While many started off enjoying the chat box functions, from writing songs to answering your most random questions, many started to wonder how this tool will change the future of medicine. 
After all, the chatbot scored a passing grade on the United States medical licensing exam and has been credited as an author on peer-reviewed papers. Many have pointed to the potential benefits of ChatGPT in the field of medicine, including synthesizing new medical knowledge, providing quick answers to broad questions, and even composing short medical summaries. However, it is important to note the drawbacks that exist within AI in medicine, such as confidentiality concerns with regards to patient data and the risk of incorrect information. The world is still learning how to harness such powerful technologies, but there's no doubt that innovations like ChatGPT will make waves in the medical community one way or another. We'd like to acknowledge the following members of our team for their contributions to this week's episode. Andrew Lee, Kira Liblik, Ikancha Chavla, Alex Chan, and Ashley Jackson. Thank you for joining us today for this episode of the Two Minute Medicine Podcast. New episodes come out every other week and all of our content has been curated and written by practicing physicians. Please head to our website at twominutemedicine.com to learn more and to access all of our content including medical study summaries, visual abstracts, excerpts from our classics book series, which is available on Amazon, and The Scan, which is our medical newsletter. Thank you so much once again. To make sure that you don't miss any of our content, please subscribe and follow us on Twitter or Instagram at 2minmed.